and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Wednesday night, just before Thanksgiving. Hope everyone who's listening to this over the holiday is enjoying it as much as possible. Joining us from New York City is Malika Andrews. How you doing, Malika? I, you know, I can't complain too much. I could complain, but I won't. How are you doing, Brian? I'm fine. Um, Good. I, uh, you know, you know, just to haven't talked to you since you hosted uh, the uh, you did the interviews on the draft last I week, did. and uh, I thought that was a hard job because you had to do it virtually, and I just know that there was. You know, just because everybody's tech <laughs> was different, people were in restaurants, they were in houses, and um, I'm not just saying it. Um, it was my I I really enjoyed watching this draft because of the intimacy of those interviews and those and those shots. And I thought you did a really good job. I'm not just saying it. I don't toss around stuff like that. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It was um, it was interesting connecting with you know guys like Danny Avdia because the delay to Israel, you're standing there for a good like 10 seconds felt like 10 minutes waiting for him to be able to just hear your question and then answer mm. to answer it. I was assured that it didn't quite look that long on air, but the, the delay was, that was, uh, it was hard to get used to. So I, I appreciate you saying that you enjoyed it. So I know the studio that you were in, but it had never been set up that way before. Were you in yeah. front of a total green screen? Were you, it, were you full green screen? <laughs> I, I can't even describe it as a green screen because to me, a green screen is one green sheet that you stand in front <laughs> of. I think of like a weather person, right? right? This was like a green jungle gym. It was the floor was green. There were these sloping walls that were probably 28 feet tall. I mean, they were huge. It was the biggest green room that I'd ever been in. It was a little bit trippy because um, Troy. the television screen that it looked as if I was staring Troy. at also didn't exist. That television screen that looked to be, I don't know, probably 14 feet by 10 feet or something. And it looked like I was standing next to an enormous screen was actually just the size of an average normal to small size television return screen. And so everything in that room wasn't actually, it was not actually there. So it took a little bit to get used to. Right. It was kind of um, like you were filming like a, uh, an animated movie. Yeah. Uh, Woj told me I looked like Mike TV from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because no, I was a very little that person. That is a very old reference. <laughs> One uh, that I got I mean, though. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, Congrats to you that you Thank know you. that. McMahon, do you know Mike TV? Band okay, first band? of all, I need an official introduction here before I... Okay. Actually, I'm glad you're doing that. This is uh, Tim <laughs> Band McMahon. Uh, our producer, Troy Farkas and Malika, really didn't know or remember the origin of Band McMahon. And since it's been a you know, one full presidential term since it happened, just to remind all of our listeners, we call him Band McMahon because he was banned. Four years ago, he was banned from the the Mavericks arena by Mark Cuban. Yeah, it's a long story. There's a a great theme song that has also been banned, that, <laughs> so I, I will not play that. But yeah, that's the uh, the origins of the nickname. It's not just a it's not just a lifestyle. There's actually, you know, uh, some some reasoning behind that. I tell you what, Wendy. You know, usually we we don't get big time guests. So I'm really impressed that you were able to pull the bubble queen, Malika Andrews. Yeah, Malika, Malika, you know, she's she's a, she's part of the collective. 
Okay, I'm just wondering, did you have to go through her people or what? <laughs> well, 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 Tim, when I heard that you were going to be the other guest on this podcast, I almost pulled out, but really this is just because I, I like Wendy so much. It's really in spite of you. I tell you what, I am impressed, Wendy. That is really she great. Is part of the, she's great. part of the collective. Um, so uh, we, we're finally getting some some slowing down of the um, of the NBA offseason, although the most important thing in the NBA offseason <laughs> has yet to happen. And I'm not talking about Anthony Davis's contract. That would probably be the second most important thing. And that's Giannis's uh, extension decision, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But one of the things that has become very interesting is I have talked to league executives and agents in the last few days, once the rush of Friday, Saturday has calmed down, is what has been quite a push and pull. Um, for these young guys getting these contracts, uh, the young guys getting uh, big contracts and the dreaded option year. Um, and so uh, this is, I mean, you know, the, the reason that the Bucks are sweating bullets about Giannis in 2020 is because when they signed him to his extension, they only gave him a four-year contract. And, 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 and not a one of the reasons why... Exactly. It was not a max. That's correct. Right. Uh, and one of the reasons why Anthony Davis was traded last year instead of being under contract uh, this year is because he had an option in his contract. And when he signed the five year, I believe it was a hundred forty five million dollar deal. I remember it. It happened right after midnight uh, that year. It was the first signing out of the box. It was like, oh, he's tied to to uh, New Orleans through twenty twenty two. And it was like. Or 2021, and is actually actually he's not. And this has been an interesting thing um, to watch what has happened in this particular signing cycle. The guys who got options and the guys who didn't, and it's such an important thing because it affects when your star player can apply, start to apply pressure to you. You get the you know you get a five year contract with no options. Maybe after year four of the deal, um, he can apply pressure. You get a four-year deal. You know, you know, the, the player gets an option. After year three, the pressure I, happens. I, I would, I would say three and a half for five, two and a half for four, depending mm. on the player. Yeah. Um, and I just think this is, you know, I get such a different series of opinions and. It's a real, um, you know, polarizing topic out there amongst fans, amongst executives, amongst agents, of course. And so the players who got the options were uh, Jason Tatum. He got an opt-out in his contract. So he signed for five years, but he can opt out for the fifth year. Donovan Mitchell got an opt-out after five years, after four years. Right. Um, Bam Adebayo did not. He got a straight five. De'Aaron Fox got a straight five. Um, dating back to the um, uh, last last year, Jamal Murray, when he signed his, he got a he got a he did not get an option. He got a, he got five. And Brandon Ingram just signed, or he hasn't actually signed the contract yet, but he just agreed. And to my knowledge, it hasn't been reported whether he got an option or not. And attempts, my attempts to find out whether he did get an option is nobody wants to talk about it. Hmm. 
mm-hmm. because it's a sensitive topic. And this is a pretty important topic, Malika. Um, and, you know, I understand why players want it, but I'm having a hard time seeing why organizations are knowing what we know, seeing the stress all these other teams are with their stars. I'm having, I'm surprised that teams are giving them out. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it goes back to in the kind of people that I've chatted with, not necessarily about any of those specific players, but in just trying to understand the mentality behind the haves and the have nots, the motivation behind the why it comes back to, at least in the cases of players who did get that, the thought that it's a, perhaps it's a sign of good faith, a sign of respect, a sign that we value you and we want to make sure you feel like you have some control and autonomy over the situation and that we don't own you. That being said, you can't make the argument that someone like Bam Adebayo is not incredibly important to Miami, right? I mean, him and Jimmy Butler, obviously they have a lot of other pieces that are really intriguing that they value a lot, but when I'm talking to people about why they do it, that's the answer. And it's a little bit cookie cutter. It's a little bit sugary, but that's the answer that I get over and over again. It's a a sign of good faith. We want these guys to feel like they have a say in, in what's going on here with their futures. But then you can get into whether or not, you know, four or five years, what, what sort of differences that make. But I agree. There isn't necessarily a ton of, Uh, motivation on the team side to give somebody that out um, unless they they may feel or want to leave the door open to not having those guys force out in an unhappy trade situation versus them kind of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. I mean, it's a total negotiation. I mean, I I agree with what she's saying, but but isn't one hundred sixty million dollars? Isn't that? Yeah, you can't. But you can't think of that in terms of one hundred sixty million necessarily. In terms of how you know Joe Schmo from Kokomo would think about that. This is NBA money. Everything is monopoly. True. I guess that's fair, McMahon. But still, no, it's a total negotiating loss for the team. I mean, let's just call it like it is for the players. I think that it's also there's a little bit of a of a status symbol mm. uh, to being able to you not only do you get the max deal but you get the option i mean basically that's the team bidding over to, to say okay hey whatever you want you got it and look if if you're a utah jazz fan you're absolutely ecstatic that the the extension with donovan mitchell was uh you know got done quickly negotiated quickly and then you hear about the option that does take a little sting away from it because let's be honest, when, when you're a, a fan of a small market franchise, you're always worried about, and you get a superstar. Absolutely. Which you, there's only really you, for those franchises to get superstars, there's you, I guess you, they can maybe acquire them through a trade, but pretty much you got to home grow them. You, you are kind of, and, and Utah's a little different because they were able to keep Malone, pretty much his whole career and Stockton his entire career, but they're going to be very nervous about at some point Donovan Mitchell with all his, you know, kind of the, the glitz and glamor and, and marketing savvy uh, wanting to play in a bigger market. And now it's just one year earlier that he'd be able to push. And, and look, Donovan and, and, uh, and his agents, they could easily also say, you know what? We just want to make sure that, we're consistently in a, a competitive 
environment and a team that has uh, at least a puncher's chance to be a contender. And, and that's fair. But again, it ain't like that wasn't a painful concession for the for the Jazz front office. So, look, if a player can get an option, I'm not begrudging the player. It's advantage player. Mm-hmm. Go for it. But if, for, for, if I'm in an organization, and I mean, this isn't going to apply to the cream of the crop. Like back in 2000, I think it was six, when LeBron signed his first contract with, uh, with Cleveland, his first extension, he was like, look, I'm only going to do three years. He's LeBron James. He's going to be able to do that. If Luka Doncic comes to the Mavericks yeah. um, after year three and is like, listen, I'm going to do this, you know, but but for but for a player for these for these I mean the guys who have signed in my view have not reached that level and so to me if I'm the organization I'm viewing it like this we are offering you a max contract mm-hmm. a max contract is five years if you would like to, to have a discussion about something that is not a max then we can discuss monetarily something that is not a max now. It's important to point out, and, and there, was a, there was a key moment about six or seven years ago with Paul George. So if, you know, without getting too far into the weeds, um, you may have seen the contracts that, um, that Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum signed to. Woj reported that they were $163 million guaranteed, but could be worth up to $195 million, I think, was the total. Right. And the way you get that extra $30 million is you either win MVP or you uh, make all uh, win defensive player of the year, I think, or you make one of the all NBA teams and you get that $30 million bonus. We've seen over the years, some players get very close to it. So where the negotiation comes in is how you get to that $30 million bonus. And And over the years, we've seen a lot of different wrinkles in there. We've seen some teams say, we'll give you the $30 million bonus if you make first or second team all NBA, but not third team. We've seen teams say, uh, how about we give you a 27% or, a, or a, it's mm-hmm. a 5% bonus, basically. How about we give you um, uh, $15 million more if you if you make All-NBA uh, or win Defensive Player of the Year, not $30 million more, uh, things like that. Um, so, so it's not just a negotiation of the salary, it's a negotiation of the bonus. But to me, if you are getting the bonus, if you, which is what Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell got, if they're saying to All you, right. You guys make all NBA. You get the full thirty million. Which is certainly a possibility for either of those guys this season. For sure, for sure. Um, uh, you know, and like Luca is going to get when Luca signs it, he's oh, going to be he's gonna yeah. qualify for it, right? For but, a little bit, two hundred, whatever at that point. But yeah, and and there is also All Star. Uh, there is also there has also been All Star qualification in there as well. Uh, if you get voted in the All Star game, but um, so Paul George about seven years ago. I want to seven or eight years ago when he signed his max contract, his first max with the Pacers. Here I am committing to the Pacers. Aren't we all excited? Yes. The Pacers were worried about Paul George making all NBA. And so they said, Paul, instead of giving you that, that full, that full bonus, um, you know, I don't know what it was back then. Maybe it was 25 million, not 30. Um, We're only going to give you like half of that. And, in return, you can you can have the opt out, and he was the first player to really negotiate that way, and this has now become a negotiating point. And ever since then, we've seen guys sort of get this to get this, and it's 
And, you know, what McMahon just said, you know, you're relieved as an organization that your team is getting its players signed. So hooray, Donovan Mitchell is locked up, but it affects the way your business goes about. And so I am just very interested that the Celtics were like, okay, Jason, we're giving you the full $30 million bonus if you make all NBA and the opt out. And I just, um, I just, you know, and, and it, you, you may roll your eyes. You may say, what's the next topic on the podcast, please. But Malika, this is the stuff that we're going to be talking about in two or three years when, when some of these guys may not be happy in their situations. I just think it's, um, it's, and it's, and it's an uncomfortable thing to do, but I just think it's such a, it's such a key moment in all these guys' careers. Right. Well, and like you said, it's not relevant until it is relevant, like with Anthony Davis. Well, the other thing is, look, they sign four-year deals unless they're disappointments. I mean, nobody, nobody picks up the, the player option if they've lived up to their contract, right? Because if they're worth that last year of a max, well, then they're going to get a four-year max or a five-year max. They're not mm-hmm. going to pick up a you know one year of max money when they – can get that long-term. Yeah. So uh, I would just say, mind your options. I mean, back when I first (laughs) um, started covering the league, uh, I, I feel like a, an old man now. Cause this is my 18th season. Here comes um, <laughs> I know. I, I don't like to sound this way. I really That's don't. And, right, I, and I, man, I encourage you to, to, to check me. When I do sound like this, uh, Malika, you can too, please. Um, <laughs> but when I first started covering the league, like not everybody and their brother got player options. Um, like, like LeBron got a player option. Kobe got a player option. You know, I'm looking at these contracts that come through. Um, uh, I can't believe the kind of players they're getting player options these days. Um, you know, that's something that, um, only the, the cream of the crop players got, or if you were a player who was taking a way below market value contract. So let's say you're a veteran who wants to go play, uh, for a championship, like Marcus Saul, for example, um, he goes and signs a two-year deal with the Lakers, which by the way, he did not get a player option in, um, but you know, a player like that who was signing for under market value, they gave him. Uh, the option in case, so in case he wanted to get out of the contract, he could, but like, other than that, that was the only ones that they got out. You know, there were, you know, now it's like every other contract has one. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've talked too much about this, but I, uh, I think the agents are winning on this one. The oh, agents are winning and it goes to player empowerment. You know, a guy like Jordan Clarkson, right. Jordan Clarkson got a player option. Um, and no offense to Jordan Clarkson at all. I mean, he got a, what was that contract, man? Four years and four years fifty-two off the top of my head, I believe. Okay, um, you know, um, good contract, especially for a player who uh, mid-level. Yeah, more than mid-level, significantly more um, for a, for a bench player, a good bench player, one of the better bench players in the league. But like player option for Jordan Clarkson, you know, it's like right. wow, you and know, again, a player that Utah absolutely needed to keep. They weren't going to be able to replace. If uh, if they didn't, and so he had leverage, and and he had a, an agent who knows what he's doing, Rich Paul, and he, so he got yeah. uh, he got a heck of a contract. Derek Favors got a player option. Yeah, and you know what? That's Derek Favors coming back to Utah um, and being willing to basically be the best backup center in the NBA, or, or at least arguably the best backup. I, mean, I guess. I mean, these are shades of gray. I guess. I just. Um... 
I'm like, wow, wow, amazing. Um, By all the right. way, when she first started covering the league, the biggest worry in Malika's world was what she's going to do at recess that afternoon. Well, I wasn't. I, I, it's all right. I, I had we'll no idea your what walker. I was doing. I had no right. idea what I was doing. <laughs> but um, I learned one way, and, and the league's changed, which I guess is that's good. I, I need to be dynamic with it, too. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So we're still waiting, uh, Malika, for Giannis to uh, make up his mind. Um, and the thing about it is, like, you know, training camp starts in a week. He's, I think, still, in, as far as I know, is still in Greece as of Wednesday. Right. Um, he doesn't have to to say anything. I mean, you know, there's going to be some level of media day. He's going to get asked about it. He doesn't have to do anything until December 21st. I mean, and he can just stand mute. He doesn't have to do anything. He can just not do anything and, and we will know he'll become a free agent. Um, but I would assume that he would want to address it somehow, either I'm signing it, have a celebration and a, and a virtual parade or not. Um, but uh, with everything else kind of settled, Malika, I mean, this is going to be, we're going to be, there's going to be a vigil on this thing, especially once he gets back and, and training camp gets going. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely right. I would expect the the first to happen if and when he does sign it to have a song and dance and a little bit of a socially distanced masked safe party about it, right? Um, the the latter though, if for some reason he didn't elect to sign it right now, um, I would anticipate that being something that he isn't trying to, uh, dramatize or make overt demands around. I think that is a date he would address after that December 21st deadline passed. But um, I, I, it was put to me the other day in a way that I thought was very apt. I thought, I think that Giannis is a guy who genuinely loves Milwaukee. And there are players that look for a reason to leave. And there are players that look for reasons to stay. I believe from everything that Giannis has signaled in the time that I've covered him, that he is a loyal person who loves Milwaukee and is looking for a reason to stay. And what the Bucks were working to do this offseason was make signings that gave him that reason. So they signed Drew Holiday. That was probably an upgrade. And I've been told by people close to Giannis that that was a, a, a good signal that they were able to get 
a guy like that who is a little bit better shooter than than Eric Bledsoe, although maybe not as much as some uh, would hope that he is and who is a, a good two-way player. Um, that being said, when you look at when, when those, when those, when that signing happened, the mentality in Milwaukee from talking to folks there was, we're not done yet. We need to continue to fill out our roster and really bolster this team because that's what they're trying to prove. They're trying to prove to Giannis that we are committed enough. We are assassins. We are working to make it so this is a place that you believe you can win because we already know that you you want this. You want to stay. You're begging us to give you that overwhelming reason to do so. And and that's the position that they were finding themselves in because I I genuinely believe that if Giannis were to make the decision not to be in Milwaukee, that would be really hard for him. This isn't something that he is jumping up and down and is excited to do. For him, it really all comes down to. I winning. have to imagine he does had to. I have to imagine that's a pretty. It's been a pretty gut wrenching thing for him to think about. Oh, um, absolutely! I would I imagine mean, the same. I mean, ultimately, it's two hundred twenty-eight million. It's an extraordinary amount of money. Absolutely, and that doesn't mean nothing. But this is also a guy where he already views himself as incredibly fortunate listening back to the pod that Adrian Wojnarowski did uh, with him talking about how all he wanted was to be able to provide for his family, it carries weight for him that the Milwaukee Bucks were the avenue with which he was able to do that. It's an extraordinary amount of money. It's a record-setting, a history, a history, a historical number, right, that he would be able to sign for. That being said, it's coupled with that really strong desire to win and he was very disappointed with the way the season ended, not in a way that necessarily points fingers at any one person in particular, but after they lost that series against the Miami Heat, he said he would rather play on one leg than not play at all, is is what he said. So this has been something that he's kind of had to to process, and he's been keeping a close eye on the moves that the Bucks are, are making because he wants that signal. He wants that flag saying, we did it all. We got the pieces. Let's go run this. Let's go run this over to a championship for the next couple of years. But but they didn't because the Bogdanovich sign and trade blew up in their face. And look, Drew Holiday is absolutely a significant upgrade. They, you know, they gave up two rotation guards to get him and a whole bundle of picks. But Drew Holiday is, uh, you know, he, he's an all-star caliber player, whether he's been in the all-star game in the Western Conference the last several years or not. Um, but again, it was supposed to be Drew Holiday and Bogdanovich, and that thing blew up in the Bucks' faces. I, I just, it, for me... If if Giannis signs the Supermax now, that would be one of the most extreme cases of superstar loyalty that we've seen. I agree. Right up there with Dirk taking less than Max to stay with the Max. But I wouldn't underestimate his willingness to do that. I mean, if there's if there's a superstar that I, I, I just think Brian said it. I, I agonizing is the the word that I would think comes to so mind. So here's what I would say: if it's agonizing, I mean, and um. I have to assume that you know it's it's just it's just a hard call because there's uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. He he is a little bit uncertain. This is what I find amazing because there, I mean, look, there are signs he's going to sign it, and mm-hmm. I will say Absolutely. this. I will say this about the Bucks. The people in the Bucks organization have 
routinely said he is committed to us. They saying, are saying what Malika is reporting right there, which mm -hmm. is that this is who this guy is. And, you know, to the point where they almost mock you, where they're like, what are you going to talk about when Giannis signs his extension? Um, and I go, we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about somebody else going to maybe leave. But um, if there's uncertainty, um, which is not an insult to anybody because, you know, uh, you know, not everybody wins every year. The team that does, even the team that wins usually has uncertainty. If there's uncertainty, he has this avenue of just waiting until after the year. Yeah. And, and so, not, look, that's not a, if there's uncertainty, that's not like a blemish on his character. I mean, Tim Duncan ended up playing his entire Hall of Fame career with the San Antonio Spurs. But he flirted hard with the Orlando Magic at one point, and it was close to happening. Kobe demanded a trade. Yeah. So yeah, it's not, yeah, you're right. It's not like saying, "Oh, he's not loyal if he's uncertain." But I think it's interesting that he would, and 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 not only is it loyalty, but it's um, there there is some strategy there because if he signs this extension, he removes the layer of pressure that the Bucks would play under during the season. Now, look, they are a championship contender. They have now traded three first-round picks to get Drew Holiday. Um, if they are not successful in a in a third year in a row where they're a top, you know, two seed or whatever, they would face all kinds of scrutiny. They would potentially have to make other roster changes. Maybe Mike Budenholzer's job would be on the line. It's not like him signing removes everything and it's going to be a, a merry-go-round. But him doing that, is such a gift if he does it is such a gift to the bucks organization because not only does it give them the runway to his prime years because he's going to turn 26 in a week mm -hmm. or so a week in 10 days um not only does he say i'm extending the runway with you and i mean i've got to get better too and we're going to get better together but you know, that is an incredible gift to, especially to a small market team, but he's doing it and taking the pressure off of this season, enabling them to focus more on their process than deal with his free agency. And they can say whatever they want about, oh, it won't be a distraction. It yeah, will right. be a distraction. And so like, I've gone so far as to say um, that the most relevant thing that has probably happened in the Bucks franchise in the last 45 years is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar saying that he wanted to be traded at the end of his contract in 1974. He said, I want to be traded. Uh, we didn't have Twitter back then, so it took like six months for it to come out. What was that like? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What was going on back then? Um, so... Uh, but the Bucks in 1970, they won the title in 71. They went to the finals in 74. They haven't been back to the finals in 46 years because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, no offense to Milwaukee. In fact, the story goes that Wayne Embry, um, who was the general manager at the time. And I think the coaches with the coach was Larry Costello. This was, years before I was born. But I think Wayne Embry said to Kareem, do you want us fired? Like, we'll quit. Uh, you know, we'll be fired if you want us replaced so that you'll stay here because the ownership cares a heck of a lot more about you than us. And Kareem had already, Kareem had played five years in the NBA and he'd won three MVPs. And they'd, and they'd won one title. And, um, 
and, and lost in game seven, by the way, of the finals in 74. So they'd won one and almost won another. And um, Kareem said, it's not, oh, it has nothing to do with you guys. It's just that I want to be in New York. He said New York, Washington, or Los Angeles. And as the way it turned out, it ended up being Los Angeles. Um, and like, look, the Bucks have had some good players since then. You know, uh, Allen, Sidney Moncrief. Yeah, they've had some really good teams, but they haven't had a championship team. And, you know, w- without Giannis, it's hard to see hope of a championship team until they find that next, you know, once in a generation type. 40, of... It could be 40 more years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Look, everything we know about Giannis is that it wouldn't be a shock if he signed the Supermax because of his loyalty and, you know, all the things you heard on Woj's podcast with him, all the things that you've seen from him. You know, he he also seems to have a very kind of unique um, combination of, of, of pride and competitiveness to where, honestly, I, I tend to – I, I wonder if he could stomach joining a team that had knocked him out in the playoffs before. Having said all that, the Heat signed guys to one-year deals for a reason because they obviously aren't giving up hope as much as the BAM contract extension uh, made that path a little bit more difficult. They still clearly are plotting to take their shot at Giannis. You know, the the Mavericks – they've uh, maneuvered to where they very easily can uh, can have that max cap space you know there, there's no question that uh that you know they're they're lining up to take their shot uh, at, at Giannis. you know Toronto's obviously been mentioned a lot in that conversation and and here's the thing if Giannis signs that supermax I don't think those teams are giving up. I just think they're pivoting to try to position themselves to be able to make an attractive trade offer if and when he decides a couple years down the road that, okay, maybe uh, maybe it ain't going to happen in Milwaukee. So the, it, my point is, yes, him signing that Supermax eases a lot of pressure off of the Bucks, but it, it doesn't prevent other teams from uh, from plotting to try to add him at some point in the not-too-distant future. Giannis yeah. is, is three things three things. He is a family man in a sense that I don't know that I have seen in this league. That doesn't mean his son, even though now just or solely his son, Liam, it doesn't mean solely his mom, Veronica. It means the entire family when they can lives under one roof that Giannis provides. He is loyal and that's something he got from it's really a loyalty to his family and that's something that has extended as his definition of family has grown to include um various people in the nba who helped him provide for his blood family the way that he's been able to and he is a fierce competitor in a way that really you know it was headline grabbing when it came out that he doesn't work out with with other people but his drive for competition extends far beyond you know what he he does on on the basketball court and so the first two are on one side of this scale and winning potentially is on the other and what his hope I believe is, is that all three can be on the same side of the scale as he's weighing these options. I don't think anything could be better said than that, Malika. Um, 
I, I think actually of everything I've heard and talked about, I don't think it's been better said the way it could it was just there. So I guess we'll we'll wait and see. He's supposed to be back this weekend. I think that's the schedule, and we'll see what happens. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Oh, but by the way, real quick. You mentioned about Bam signing in uh, mm. in uh, Miami. I have he to say, have the same agent, by the way, as Giannis. I've never seen a situation exactly like this, where you know certainly uh, top players have the same agent. That's been going on for decades, um, uh, and you know, different agents do different things. Um, different players are intertwined or not. Um, it, it, the, the report came, I think it was the Miami Herald reported it. And I, and if I got it wrong, I apologize. Um, it said that the report was that if the, if the heat wanted to show Giannis who, the, what they are about, they would extend Bam Adebayo and not wait because waiting on Bam Adebayo would have uh, protected about 13 million in cap space. Um, they could have still given Bam the um, super, they're the uh, rookie max um, next summer um, after they use that cap space, which is a maneuver many teams have done. Um, but this was interesting. Like I think there was the conventional thinking would be, well, if if there if Bam had some inside information, he would not sign his contract because that would be a um, an indication he might be able to play with Giannis, who's represented by the same agent. But this worked according to this report, differently. And I've heard similar things. I basically have heard like, look, if you want to show a potential free agent how you're going to treat star players, show that you appreciate the star player by rewarding them with a contract. And maybe it works. Maybe the message goes to Giannis and it's and it's relevant in five years when the Heat may want to look at him. Maybe it's never relevant. But there's something to that. There's something to the way... because. The way the Heat have done business over their time, they maybe they would disagree with me on this, but I don't I don't think so. The way the Heat typically would do business, they would tell Bam, we will take care of you in a year. Let's leave our options open. And they they altered their business here. And obviously it was because it was important to Bam. It wasn't all about Giannis. This is something that Bam wanted now and he has earned it. There's no doubt about that. But Malika, I've never seen a situation quite like the way that played out. And it was interesting that it took several days for the Heat and Bam to come to that understanding and that, that deal. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's interesting. I think that it's like you said, it it 
is important to point out that it, this was in no way a situation of anywhere near solely um, or even you know 50-50 rewarding BAM and enticing another player that just so happens to be represented by the same agent. I think that what BAM was able to do for the Heat in the playoffs, especially when he was healthy, um, sealed the validity of earning a, a deal like he was able to sign, right? That being said, this is it's hard not to at least notice that connection, especially because this is a the circle that we're talking about of of these players and this agent. They notice potentially more than than other other people that we have worked around. They notice that sort of taking care of your own. They, they do notice that. Now, whether or not, like you said, that ever actually becomes important is a whole other discussion. But if you bring up that point, yeah, it, it's hard not to at least take notice of that because of what we just what we just talked about. If, if it ever does become relevant, loyalty is one of those tick marks. And that's what's exhibited there. Also, Bam Adebayo is is positioned just flat out to be one of the great centers in this league for a long time. He's worked very hard on his game. He works out with the guards rather than the big sometimes so he can kind of work on his footwork and become dynamic in this modern big that we've uh, grown to value so much. Playing alongside him for, for any star, I would think, especially, uh, you know, another big guy would be something that's attractive, but yeah, the, the, the taking care of your own, you have to, you have to, you have to at least notice that you have to at least tip your hat at that. Well, and look, if it's not Giannis, obviously the heat are going to be Mm -hmm. another big superstar at some point, you know, that that's what, I mean, the heat have had more success chasing superstars in free agency than any Mm -hmm. franchise league. So you know that, that obviously doesn't hurt in that regard, but the the Bam extension, you know, the the computer, my my favorite nerd, Kevin Pelton, broke it down real well. <laughs> if Bam is at that twenty five percent max, then to clear out room to to get the Greek freak on a max deal, it means stripping down the roster to just Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So uh, assuming they want to keep those two guys instead of other ways, but that means trading Tyler Hero. It means trade, trading, uh, yeah, renouncing the rights. Those guys would be free. Oh, well, uh, Robinson would be a free agent. Right, but but renouncing his his rights. Um, you know, that's a – so the, that extension, it – it at least would would make it much more difficult for the Heat to be able to, you know, have a ready-made supporting cast around their big three. But <laughs> Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they might be able to play three on five and, and win 50 Well, I think that he would say, you know, we could have done it all. We could have had all those players and this. But, I mean, this is the way it went. And, um, again, uh, Bam did not get an, an option in his contract, but he – some leveraging was done um, yeah. because I just don't think the heat would normally have done this. And if the agent, whatever the agent said, and I don't know what he said, um, but whatever, whatever was said that got the heat 
to commit now, um, it was something special because the Heat don't move to other people's drum. Um, they do their own thing. Um, before we go, I wonder, we, we mentioned Bogdan Bogdanovich earlier. I was talking about the polarizing discussions at the top of this podcast about the options in these guys' contracts. I have also been giving a lot of polarizing reaction about whether the Kings should have matched that four-year, $72 million offer sheet. Obviously, the Kings' preference was to sign and trade him and to get uh, Dante DiVincenzo, um, sort of a young, not not exactly same type of player as Bogdan, but sort of a replacement um, prospect. And considering they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, who plays roughly the same position, the idea would be between Halliburton and DiVincenzo, they would sort of replace him. That didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, and they let him walk for nothing. And this is a polarizing topic again. Do you let a player who you have matching rights to, who has value in the league, we saw Milwaukee wanted to trade for him and the, and the Hawks sign him, do you let that guy walk out the door for nothing? And McMahon, ultimately the Kings did. And there was, a, I mean, a lot of frustration uh, in their fan base. Um, and then there's other people who are saying, you know, they've got to, you know, account for the, you know, the amount of money that they're going to have to spend, you know, they've only can spend so much. And then they say, well, there's, you got a plan for that, but they had a regime change and the way yeah, the last they're GM paying felt. For, they're paying for the, the, the mistakes of the previous regime. I mean, Previous regimes, the the group that gave Buddy Heald this contract that they regretted about forty seven seconds later, and so that that complicates things. I mean, Buddy Heald wants to be traded, and I'm sure Monty McNair, the new Kings GM, if you give him truth serum, would be like, "Great, find somebody who's willing to give me value for that contract." You know, so if and that's already was a really sticky situation. Remember, you know, buddy, the reason he wants to be traded is because he was so mad. He was coming off the bench behind Bogdan. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that it's not just, it's, but it's, if you've uh, already established that this one guy is better than your uh, other player, well, well, you know, letting him go for nothing is hard. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to just, take the look at these guys from a pure asset standpoint, but the reality is a lot messier than that. When you start talking about locker room dynamics and dynamics with agents and all these other, you know, complicating factors. And I mean, he, Monty McNair inherited a very mucky situation there. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say is that no matter what happened between Milwaukee and Sacramento, which will play out or whatever they're investigating it. Um, he got more money. His agent got him more money in Atlanta than Milwaukee could have paid him. Right. Um, so, you know, again, the agent does the, does the job there. Um, Malika, it's, it's a really difficult situation to have a player and, and who you've developed who, by the way, they drafted and then waited on for three years then brought him over. Like, that you know, he they were invested in him for a long time, uh, and then just to right as he's about to go to his peak, like he's twenty eight, he is he is headed for his prime, uh, probably. You know, knock on wood, he's he he continues to get better. He's just had the best year of his career, and then you can't keep him. It's it's rough. Yeah, 
but you know we've seen the the kings do strange things with offer sheets and not offer sheets i'm thinking That's about true. zach levine, right um a couple of Otto, years ago Otto, not brooklyn was out of port yeah yeah zach, zach's who kind of comes to mind so i my hat's out on being able to predict what exactly they do and why but like mcmahon said this is a an almost new slate in terms of having new folks coming in and saying okay this super fun site we're we're going to clean it up now is it a mistake i think only time will tell but it's clear that enough teams valued him that he was valuable so it does seem peculiar how it ended up playing out after he was so coveted by a team that is desperately pursuing a championship yeah, so I would say in the short-term future, we're going to see more of those guys leave Sacramento because Sacramento has been trying to sign players for the last few years, whether it was Zach Levine, and they go sign Trevor Ariza, they go sign Dwayne Dedman. Like, it, it may have just been like um, Corey Joseph. You know, they've been very aggressive in, uh, you know, they've, they've done things to create cap space and then kind of squandered it. So it, it may just be a market correction that needs to be done. But out of all those players I just mentioned, I'd want – Bogdan Bogdanovich over any, I mean, they, they signed Rondo, they signed George Hill, like all of those contracts that they gave out. Uh, even Zach Levine. I, I like Bogdan more than any of those guys that they paid. Well, and, and I bet you, if you ask their GM right now, would you rather have Buddy Heald or Bogdan Bogdanovich? He'd say Bogdanovich, but I didn't have a choice. It, you know, it was either both or just healed. He didn't have the either or choice. Yeah. So yeah. I would I would look, not be surprised if there are other defections or where they they're going to look to cut um, money over the course of this season because I think they're I think they're making a pretty significant shift and this was their indication of it. Or well, let's just hope that Buddy Heald starts returning Luke Walton's text messages soon. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. I uh, hope you all have a great holiday. Um, take care of yourselves. Thank you to Malika. Thank you to McMahon. Thank you to Troy back in Connecticut. We'll talk to you soon.